Luann. Hey, Peg. You've been like all over the East Coast. <laughs> I'm back. All the way tucked up in Maine where it was 48 degrees when I woke up this morning. <gasps> wow. That is chilly. It's pretty chilly. It happens fast. I was wearing a sweatshirt this morning while I was having my coffee outside on the porch. So I had that little fall feel myself. And now it's holiday weekend. I'm having myself an adult beverage. Your second week of work. It's happy hour. Gen X besties. Yeah, I started a new job two weeks ago, last the beginning of last week. It's been a big transition for me. I was working from home for the past three and a half years. So now I'm back in the office full time. I forgot that we were going to be talking about my new job. I don't know why I was thinking like old jobs. Let's just slide back into the old times. How old were you when you had your first babysitting job? I did a lot of babysitting, maybe sixth, seventh grade. I used to babysit for this family across the street and they would leave me with their newborn and a two-year-old tiny baby. They'd go out into the city and would come home in the middle of the night. And I can't believe now looking back, trusted me with a tiny baby. They not only trusted you, they paid you to do it. I guess they knew that my mom was like across the street in case there was any emergency, but. What grade is your youngest in? He's in eighth grade right now. Would you leave him across the street with a newborn? I think times have changed. I wouldn't leave him with my newborn. If somebody else wants to get pizza in a movie. Yeah, exactly. In New York City. Pay him $20 an hour. Oh, right. I'm sure that's what I was making. No way. When I started babysitting for money, I was $5 an hour and that was good money. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way to make money and you needed it. I don't know. They were always so grateful to give it to me. I never ratted on kids. I was always like, they were fine. Yeah. I remember ratting on them either. I never babysat for kids that were good. So if you're out there and you're a grown up now, a millennial, you were terrible to babysit. You were horrible. You didn't listen. You didn't do what you're told. And I never ratted no. on you. And your parents had bad snacks. Those oh, were the that. worst houses. <laughs> like you're like ransacking the cabinets. You're like, oh my God, all you have are these Weedabix or some crap. Weedabix. <laughs> I had plastic, uh, co-op bags with carob chips in them which I would take that a handful and then want to throw oh you babysat for hippies yes I babysat (laughs) for hippies carob I was like what is this now so after that after I mean that continued into high school but my first job besides babysitting was in the snack bar at the town pool I was probably 16 And my high school bestie and I, we worked there together. I don't remember any adult supervision at all in that position. There was a guy who was maybe like six months older than us that was probably there two weeks longer. He was the manager. (laughs) There was a fryer in there. We were making fries and grilled cheese and doling out frozen Charleston shoes. Right. Oh, yum. Um, but I remember we would get up to some stuff in there, like throwing ice cubes in the fryer. Have you That's, ever done that? It is very, idea. very dangerous. Not good we idea. did that all summer. <laughs> Don't try that at home. Now it's all air fryers. So they're safe, a lot safer. Right. <laughs> That's, That's a lot of ice in the fryer. What about you besides babysitting? Well, like the first 
I had a job for a couple of summers with my mom in a business that she worked at where they had a warehouse and they had a mail room. And if you were like the kid of someone who worked there, you could have a job in the summer. And they had us driving the little like golf cart around in the warehouse and pulling cartons off of shelves and putting them on the little track and driving around. There was one other girl there who who lived with her dad in the summer. So she and I worked the mailroom and the warehouse and the mailroom was my favorite because I got to use all the machines that like auto folded, like tri-folded the letters and then stuffed them into the business envelopes. And then you'd run them through the mail meter and put the postage on them. I have a child. This is his dream job. (laughs) Really? All that automated stuff. It sounds like Rube Goldberg. It was like, it was like that. And I Amazon warehouse. I loved it because it was like, you had to stack the paper just right. If you wanted the whole stack to fold properly and fit into the envelopes. And I loved when there'd be a jam and I'd have to like undo the jam. This is probably why I ended up in technical work. It was like my first foray. You didn't lose a finger doing that or anything. No, I I never noticed you missing any digits. Missing no fingers. I never got injured in that job. The best part about that job were the beautiful women in their twenties that worked answering the phones and doing all the office manager work. And they would go to have these lunches at Bennigan's and they would bring the other girl and I, and we would just look at them and love their manicures and their cute office outfits that is so cute it was great it was great and the music that would pipe over in the mail room I remember Caribbean (laughs) Queen was a real popular one (laughs) wait oh in the mail room so it wasn't like the mail room in Elf (laughs) no it was more like Jimmy in Better Call Saul it's more like that okay and the ladies were like Kim Wexler from Better Call Saul, like with oh. their pencil skirts and their cute blouses oh. and like slicked oh. back tight ponytails and everybody smoked at their desk. So just learning how to be the lady. Yeah. you got lots of office etiquette at your first I job. I loved going to Bennigan's. They would eat iceberg lettuce salads with huge cherry tomatoes and blue cheese dressing. You know, it was total 80s lunch. Who's the best? So the high life, that was the job, high life. Nice. Okay. So what was the worst job you ever had? Between high school and college, I got a job at a sandwich shop in Concord, New Hampshire at a very popular destination right off of the highway before you had to make this exit to go to where motorcycle weekend was. And that weekend, which is like sometime in June, was one of my first weekends working there. And I was a vegetarian at the time, which being a vegetarian in the late 80s, early 90s, it wasn't like now. Wait, 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 wait. Back well, up, back up. Yeah. You were a vegetarian? I I was. In the end of high school and the beginning of college, there was a two-year span there where there was a lot of cheese and a lot of Whoppers without meat that were eaten. Whopper without meat is what exactly? Cheese and mayonnaise with uh, white bread. Yeah. So that's the vegetarian. And the side of fries. 
Yeah, because it's vegetarian. It goes with the goth look because you're real pale because you don't have any energy. <laughs> you can't even go outside. No, because you're fueled <laughs> on mayonnaise and American cheese. That's I'm getting nauseous just thinking about this. Gross. It was gross. But anyway, working at the sandwich shop, a very popular sandwich was the steak and cheese or the hamburger sub, which actually had four hamburger patties on it and then cheese on every one. That's what those guys wanted when they got off their motorcycles on the way to a weekend. Okay. I wasn't good at this because I hadn't ever cooked meat and I was a vegetarian. So I was grossed out. So I cooked it so much. So everything was overdone. And this one time I asked the guy, do you want vegetables on that? Because I was told that's how you ask someone when you're making their sandwich, would you like vegetables on that? And he said, vegetables are for fairies. wow it was it was i wonder how that worked out for him i don't know but i know that i needed more vegetables he needed more vegetables we were both wrong luann it was a work job i mean there were a couple lackluster jobs but i do remember there was like a two-week stint at a telemarketing place in one summer probably in in call before in college cold calling office managers and asking them what office supplies they ordered like do you order this size envelope do you order this size envelope do you order this size envelope and the survey was way too long and I got hung up on all the time I couldn't deal with the rejection it lasted about two weeks at that it was it was terrible oh my gosh you are reminding me of another horrible job I had (laughs) the following summer because I didn't like working I did not like I did not like I didn't like working I didn't like working (laughs) I still don't (laughs) nothing's changed there I did not like working in food service so I decided uh to do something that mattered this is another problem I'm gonna have the rest of my life oh this is a recurring theme so I take a job where I'm supposed to get money from people at their door for a call oh those are the worst it was the worst and there was a quota in order to get your base pay you had to get 90 dollars of donations in a day which was a lot so they'd give you a little map and drop you off in some town and you'd have to walk and knock on every door and they'd tell <gasps> who the people were who had given money the year before so then you had to try to at least get that much again if not more and it was so bad that I would get to the $90 and then I would just stop and sit on the sidewalk somewhere till the thing was over because I couldn't like if you made more money you got more money but it was so discouraging the rejection. I could never do that. I could never even raise money for the PTA in all my years. Like that was never, I was like, I'll do something else, but don't ask me to ask people for money. Cause I could just can't I hate yeah. doing that. The rejection. It's so hard yeah. to this day. I still, when people come to the door, unless you have religious offerings, I will at least see if you want water. I mean, I was so thirsty all the time. <laughs> It was horrible. Yeah. Bad job. Yeah. I don't know who was good at that. Nobody. Yeah. I worked at a sperm bank. Shut up. I did. I did. I think it was the summer in between 
sophomore and junior year in college. I was taking a, I was planning to spend all of August taking a summer class off the coast of Maine on an island doing marine biology. So it was a short-term job for June and July close by to, you know, I lived at home that summer and I work as a office assistant. I did shipping. <laughs> Interesting business. Really fascinating. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Guys would come in, donors. Yeah. Um, you have they had to be accepted into this program. It's not like you could just come in once right. and do your thing. You had to be in the program and come in on a regular basis. And there were these rooms that they could go in and do their thing it was very professional right the pictures on the walls were framed soft porn photos and there that were magazines little That's small amazing. rooms um and sometimes some of these i'll call them clients mm -hmm. would come in with their wives or girlfriends because maybe they were actually storing for future use if they were going through chemo or something like that um but we also just got like random guys who wanted to make extra money like med school students were it was a big thing in that population so there would be guys in medical school who would come in and then on the other side of it women would come in and go through all of the files and like flip through their information like oh he's he's six two and blonde and blue eyes and he went to a good college and yeah we want that guy you know right. or they would pick someone who matched what their appearance was so that right. it would seem more natural that's appearance. so cool one thing was that they tried at this point this is like in the 90s to keep track that they made sure that they weren't giving a lot of sperm from one donor to women in a certain geographic area because these kids would be born and he would have kids all over the place in one part of New Jersey. And then, then you know, right. who knows, they could end up marrying each other and just weird things could happen. So anyway, yeah, sperm bank, lots of jokes there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I don't jokes. have lots of jokes, actually. That's pretty cool. My jokes with you, when it comes to you and sperm, Luann, all my jokes are about the salmon. Oh, yeah. You and salmon and, and the, and the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I worked for the New Hampshire fish and game department for, um, a couple years after we graduated from college, I was one of the few people I knew who had a job in their field right out of college. I feel like the job market was not good in 1994 when it we graduated and everyone was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to grad school or I'm going to do this or that. And somehow I landed this job, which in hindsight, I think was my favorite job. It definitely felt at the time, like you were the person who got the job in the field. Yeah. It was an amazing job. The pay was terrible, but it was a fisheries job. That was my field. That's what I went to graduate school to study. And I worked in that field for a little bit after graduate school. It was a lot of field work. There's salmon, anadromous fish passage, wearing waders, stomping around in wetlands and going out offshore in George's bank, doing shrimp surveys. It was very cool. You know, when you mentioned the waiters before, I remember, um, I just want you to know, I got two messages from people saying that they, they thought waiters were sexy. They booked what? Two, what? Different, two different people, different kinds of people too. 
I, I forgot to give you that feedback, but yeah. I'm gonna um, have to get some more waiters pictures up online. <laughs> dig out some more. So that was um, your best job? I think so. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I didn't think so, but maybe it was just that whole time was good. good. Looking back, it was really a cool job. Yeah. How do you, I mean, best jobs, it's like, sometimes it is like the whole situation of like what was going on in the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your best job, Peg? Probably my first high school teaching job, which is, was at an alternative high school for kids at risk of dropping out. I just felt like I knew exactly how to work with these kids in a way that I have never felt about other age groups. I seem to be able to find my way through a lot of different situations with them and keep liking my job like every day. It was like, I was always thinking of new things to do and like all, like everything seemed possible. That must've been really rewarding. Yeah. But frustrating too. I mean, because then you just see them off at the end of June and you're like, I hope this works out for you. Yeah, but like, that's true. It's very small victories with those guys that still to this day, I'm so proud of. I saw one of them working when she was like, I'm still your puffling. It was very sweet. She said, sometimes I just wish I could go back to that. And I just, I'm still your puffling. Oh, I feel like this is why people go into teaching. Right. So the Mm -hmm. ones that are great, they have something like that. It's usually like some connection you have to, to the work somehow. Right. It's like, doesn't have to be because it's no, it's the people. Luanna, Uh I heard about quiet quitting. Let's talk. What is (sighs) it? Quiet quitting is doing the minimum but getting it done but you're not doing an inch more what is quiet quitting to you what i'm noticing is a lot of social media content about this thing that they're calling quiet quitting in the work world i think it's called work to rule which is where you work to your contract or you work to the job description and that's it which also is called doing your job i don't understand why it's like quiet quitting quitting sounds like you're not working but doing your job is doing your job it's weird that it's being called quiet quitting because i think it's just don't work all the time in all the places i could be wrong no i feel like americans have this reputation for working hard i mean we're not the only culture that has that reputation but working long hours and not taking vacations and i think now that a lot of people work from home their attitude towards putting in 150% to their jobs as a requirement has changed. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's a good thing. I think it's really healthy. I think it's a change in the way everybody looks at their jobs. It's interesting phrasing to me to call it quiet quitting. Cause I thought it was something else. When I first saw it coming up, I was like, oh, people are gonna like, basically no one has a union anymore. So they're just going to sit there and not work, but it's not that it's like, I'm just going to do my job and then go home. It's like, okay, I don't <laughs> do that. Sounds good. Like it might be, I read somewhere about not the after work, after drinks and the, the, or the happy hours and, and that sort of thing. Uh, extracurricular requirements with work. This is the reason why I never really made it out with the big software company. 
that I worked for. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I worked for a very large software company on the West Coast. It was great that someone came around and gave us chair massages at our desk. Loved having my dry cleaning picked up at my desk and returned, but all of it was geared toward making it so you never left. Mm, There were people that slept under their desk. And so it was hard to know when can I go home? Right. They just wanted you to stay. Right. And so all those things were, were really about that. Putting soft drinks and beer and cold cuts and all this stuff in the fridge. And then also, or is it really hard to do anything but stay there? It's kind of sinister. There was a thing called last man standing. And last man standing was the person who went last or never. That's crazy. Yeah, no. No, I don't. Do you think it's still like that there? Yes. (laughs) I mean, if you can drink there and you can play, you know, foosball there and you can have a scooter to ride around so you, you can stop and play basketball. Last man standing, don't ever go. I do think it's like that. I don't think that stuff should be required. And I think it's okay to have a life at home. And I don't think that means we're quitting. Yeah, you're right. It's not really, it's a misnomer. Yeah, but it's probably just so it gathers some attention. I think Um, it's a good thing. I really do. Yeah. I wonder if it's a way for people who are not Gen X, you know, millennials are really anxious. They seem to be more anxious than us. And if it's a way for them to feel like they have some control over their work situation, because it feels like it's bled everywhere, like they have to always have their phone on and their email on and their, you know, then call it quiet quitting and, and do that. Cause you know, sure. Yeah. They're in a different place in their journey of working also than we are. Yeah, they are. I do like the different things about how different generations approach work. Well, my new office is unlike any place else I've worked. Well, partly is because everyone is young. I am one of the older people in the office, which is a completely new dynamic for me. But it's also a lot of women, which I've tended to work in male-dominated offices in my life and in in the science field. And it's a lot more collaborative when you work with a bunch of women. I like how people bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah. Do you have a dress code at work? No, because we still do some field work. So you can wear jeans and I still have rubber boots that I have to keep at my desk. That's how that goes when you work in the environmental field. Got to be ready for foul weather, mud. I keep ticks. Yeah, ticks. I keep rubber boots at my desk too. Recess duty. Oh, there you go. You might need a fanny pack for your job. I have not thought about this. I've been using mine every day. Yeah, the Band-Aid fanny pack and tissues. All right. Hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Luann, I'm almost at one year of not smoking. <gasps> How are we going to celebrate this? Hmm. Let me think, think about that. that. I, and I haven't thought about it. Like I, I never have cravings, but driving alone on that drive from New York City back to Maine, because I was alone and I had music on. I've done that trip a million times with my kids and I never think of it. But when I'm alone, apparently that is a thing because all of a sudden it was like right there. Oh, yeah. 
snap peas. That's the way me and a big nice. snap peas got me through my little craving. Did you eat the snack peas or did you smoke them? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not that bad. I ate the snack peas. I wish I had smoked them. Now that you say that, I would like one. Maybe next time. Taking a big drag off a snap pea. What a loser. <laughs> I can see this. People use little substitutes when they're trying to quit. They hold something in their hand. Snap peas are a perfectly good. Well, whatever. Loser. <laughs> Love and you, mean it. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye.